I mean, as y'all know, if you've been following WhatsApp, then I'm sure if you're, you know, if you're here, you're probably one of the WhatsAppers, right? And it's been a hard week. Um, you know, we got the news of Harold and the pictures of members of our family that have loved on and and then we got the news about the wheats. And remember, Mrs. Wheat and her two daughters sitting right here when Fred taught. And how he challenged his daughters. And, and then I shared the news about Angelito having the open heart surgery. And the initial report was positive, and then he passed the next morning. And then, of course, car wrecks and uh, Bob Palencia's sister with the concerning scan that she's got to go in and then even some unspoken things that have just come up and it's been a hard week and i was kind of set to teach in this lane and i kept following whatsapp and, and it just didn't feel like that's that's what needed to be taught tonight that we need to just look at a scripture that talks about how god is our comforter and because it's it's been hard right and it's not the only hard week we've ever had. When we look back in our past, and there's there's tragedy in this room, and there's difficulty in this room, and then the reality is, as we look forward, right, that we don't know what the future holds, but we will, as a church family, experience more sadness and more tragedy, and we'll have to come together and we'll have to love each other. And so, what does God have to say in His Word about this? about this season. And so if you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to read 1 through 11. And I don't know if we'll have any time left uh, after my teaching. I doubt it, but if we do, we're just going to pray. I'm sorry, uh, chapter 1. Yes, so 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And let me go ahead and, and read this. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, and with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the suffering of Christ, sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient endurance of the same sufferings which we also which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of our life, even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also joining and helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. 
Now, the, the context of, of 2 Corinthians written by Paul, and we know that Paul was Saul, right? And he had this dramatic testimony, this dramatic conversion of persecuting the church to ultimately being the primary missionary to Gentiles, right? And being a church planner. And then he made these trips out to plant churches and administer back to the churches that he had planted. And it's also from Timothy, that Timothy was a spiritual child of Paul's, right? And we know that 2 Timothy was written to Timothy as kind of a succession, right? It was this handing over of a ministry for Paul to run his course. And now it was Timothy's to run. And so there's this tight bond, right? And Timothy traveled with it. And the context is that the church is, uh, there were folks in the church that had questioned and challenged Paul's authority as an apostle, or at least claimed equal footing with Paul. And so there's reference of a severe letter that was sent that apparently was sent between 1st and 2nd Corinthians, in which he really challenged and rebuked those who were challenging his authority. And so then he receives word back from Titus that the majority of the church had received that letter well that they had received that challenge and that they had responded favorably. And so Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians about this encouragement, right, of those saints who had received it well. But there remained some that still were challenging, right? And he speaks to that. But Paul also had this heart for Jerusalem and the saints in Jerusalem. And so he speaks of wanting to come and the monies that they had collected, wanting to take that back so that the Gentiles could participate in, uh, in loving on the uh, saints in Jerusalem. And so that's kind of the context of the letter. And so I'm going to kind of start in verse three, and, and I'm just going to pick certain phrases or certain comments through three through 11 and kind of focus on that. So in verses three through seven, there's a series of, of phrases I want to focus on. And one is that God is our father of mercies and God of all comfort. And that's who God is. And there are times when we look at the sovereignty of God and we look at the holiness of God and we look at the power of God. And if at times we can forget how tender he is, that we can forget Psalm 23, that we can forget God has always cared for and shepherded his children, that ultimately God's heart was made manifest in Christ and in the life and death, right, of Christ, his very own son, and so that's, that's who God is. And, you know, there are folks in our church that, you know, when they thought of their earthly father, they may not have known a, a father of comfort, right? Or a father of mercies. But our heavenly father is, is exactly that. And he's always been that way. And I want to read some verses from the Old Testament and then the New Testament, really just to point out, God hasn't changed. This is who God was who God is, who he will be, and who he's always been. This is the heart of our God. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Lamentations 3.22 and 23, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Isaiah 49, 13. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth in a joyful shouting, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people, and he has compassion on his afflicted. John 16, 13. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. 1 Peter 5.10 After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And then how will it end? Right after death is no more, and after pain, and after illnesses, and after crashes, and after little ones, and all these things that occur, Revelation 21.4, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning, or crying, or pain, for the first things have passed away. But that was God's design in creation. And then there's this tragic fall that sin brought about. But God is going to redeem them. And these things that happened this week, right? These things that, that just break our hearts. Um, there will be a day those will end. But in the interim, when we are mourning and we are suffering, it's really helpful to remember who, who is our God. And he's not apathetic to our, to our, 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 our estate into these circumstances. And then it says, who comforts us in all our afflictions. Now that word comfort, I was just reading some commentaries, and it's uh, paracleses. And the idea is not just one of sympathy, right? It's not one of, I mean, there are times when I will read something happening on the other side of the world, and I will be sympathetic to those, right? That I, my heart will feel sorrow for that. But the word here actually literally means to come alongside and to comfort you in that morning, right? That, that That's the connotation of this. And so when you think to your own life and think back to some difficult seasons and some difficult times, oftentimes there was somebody, there was a couple, or there was a parent, or there was a friend, or there was somebody who didn't just bring food, right? they were there the whole time at the deepest levels of your discouragement and your depression and all the things we went through they just walked you through it all and that's that's the word right that's god's comforting used 10 times in these verses right of being with us in our sorrows and in our sadnesses and so it is an active participation it's an active comforting and then of course we know the holy spirit the paraclete is the comforter Right, that we're actually indwelt with one that can comfort our hearts, that can remind us that this isn't the end, that Satan doesn't win, that death won't always be around, right? And so God comforts. It says, so that, so there's this reason, right? God, that's who he is, that's what he does, and there's this comforting to our soul, but there's this bigger purpose to it. And it says, we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted, or excuse me, God uniquely equipped. Hang on, put my glasses back on. We will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The idea being that the way that God equips us to minister to those in pain is through pain. That the way that God equips us to minister to those that are suffering is through suffering. That there is this equipping that takes place in us when we go through things like this. And the reality is there's these events that have happened in our past 
that allow us to minister to people that are hurting. Some of y'all know Jen and I in, in our past, and there was a season back in 2002, we felt called to missions. And so we went through Benton Bible Church in MTI, and we trained for two years to go to Mexico to be missionaries. And Ray, we were there with Ray, right, going through MTI, and we raised support, and we headed out. And the way in the commitments work is you're on kind of a four-year commitment. And then there's these rolling four-year commitments. And we really had every intent of being there, you know, indefinitely, just kind of a one-way ticket kind of mentality. And we get down there, and, and boy, these folks helped us. They found, we found a home, we found a church, we found a car, and we're pretty helpless getting down there in a culture we don't know and understand. And so three weeks we're settling in. I'm starting language school. We got connected with the church. We're just beginning what we think is this extended season of our, of our life and our ministry. And we get a phone call. And Jen's mom has been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And they were going to do everything they could do. But the reality is they probably knew that it was going to be a, it was going to be a season. It was going to be a period of time. And so we didn't know how long that would be, but we knew instantly that we would be the ones to take care of her. And so right after we got there, we suddenly find out we're not going to be staying very long. And in fact, our stay is going to be completely indefinite. We're just going to wait on a phone call. And two things that experience did, right? One is we came back and Jen cared for her mom in an unbelievable fashion. And she loved her mom through it. If you've ever cared for someone through late stage cancer, it's really hard to watch someone go through that. But I've watched God give Jen the ability to relate and connect with people that have lost their mom or lost their dad, people that have dealt with folks that have gone through late stage cancer. And Jen has an ability to love them because she was there. And because she walked with them through that season. And it's a unique equipping, right? That all of us don't have because we haven't we haven't done that. But she has, and she's uniquely gifted in the body. That experience of having committed ourselves to go and then finding out that we're you know, all the plans we made, and you know, we we wonder why, you know, and, and God doesn't owe us a why, you know, and then I don't know that we'll ever get a why, and that's just fine. Right? It's just a mystery. But at the end of the day, it's okay. You come around to God is sovereign. God's best is best. And his life is 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 mine, right? My life is not my own. And so you abide. And just last week, I happened to be interacting with a young man in our church who has a particular career path that he's wanting to seek. And it just seems like things have just been sacked against him over and over and over again. And it just doesn't look like that door's going to open. And you know what? I've been there. I've been in the place where put everything into doing what we thought we would be doing and then God decided to shut that door. And I had an opportunity to communicate my experience and my heart and my struggle and my walking through that. And it connected. But the reason it connected is because I did that. And so that's God's comfort to us. He equips this body of Christ to be able to comfort those that are going to go through whatever this church is going to face. And whatever it is that is in your past, there's purpose there, right? We're going to be able to minister to folks that are going to be hurting. And we're going to be the hands and the feet 
to be able to communicate to them. I found a great, great uh, comment in a commentary, and it says, that is the very genius of Christianity. Everything received is received on trust. Everything that you and I have from God, we have on behalf of others. The comfort of God, the strengthening of God, the upholding of God, the revelation of God, right? That every experience, every gifting, everything, every resource is just held in trust. And it's held in trust for God's glory in the body. And then we simply get to use those resources and those giftings and those experiences when God allows. The next phrase in there is patient enduring. And I think a lot of times when we think of, of suffering, we would all love for it to be an event that happens and then you're over it, right? But as we all know, that's not really the way mourning and grief works. Is it doesn't just, it's not just a long, hard night. That grief tends to hit us in waves and it tends to hit us in inopportune moments and it tends to hit us in ways that we just wouldn't have expected. So there is this patient enduring that is required in this company. Like God is there through the whole journey and that we're to be there through the whole journey. That loving on the pilots. And Raymond, even after you're gone, loving on these other men that are here that are processing this event, many without a knowledge of God, without a relationship with God. And so how do we endure? How do we patiently endure in loving them for when the grief moments hit them? And, and all the things that are that are going to hit this hit this body. Then in verses eight through eleven, <clears throat> some phrases it says, "So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead." That there's another purpose purpose in suffering, and that is that we just realize with great clarity that we are utterly and completely dependent upon God, and with clarity we're able to set our eyes on things above and not on things below, right? And we're easily distracted, and our hearts are easily wooed, and our discontentment arises for the silliest reasons. And I don't know where you were um, when you saw on WhatsApp about the pilots, about Harold, but whatever mattered didn't matter, right? You know, I, I don't know what I was doing at that moment, but maybe I was frustrated at a meeting that day, maybe I was, you know, thinking of the challenges of parenting. I don't know what it was, but when I read that, that text, nothing else mattered. There was great clarity of God in eternality and gospel and comforting and prayer and these things that really is what life is all about. We just get confused sometimes. And so what suffering does is it brings about this understanding that we are just utterly dependent upon, upon God. And then it says, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will deliver us. That it's these experiences that we've encountered, right, of walking through grief and walking through suffering and then seeing God comfort us and seeing God be present and seeing God deepen our faith and seeing God deepen the intimacy that we experience with him and all of these things, it's that, right? It's that hope that we hold on to when the next round occurs. It's what prepares us for when the phone call does happen. And it's what empowers us for when we get the text that we got this week. 
to be able to go and love people because we remember what God's mercies are. And we have a testimony of God's mercies in our life, and we bring those testimonies to these people, and we say, God is good, and God loves you, and God will carry you through this. And we're here, we're not saying that just because we read the verse, but because we live that verse. And it's it's we know he's our hope, and we know that hope is sufficient to take us to take us through it. And then finally, he closes with verse 11. You also join him in helping us through our prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. That a key aspect of our ministry, our comfort that we bring to those that are, that are grieving is prayer. That there's just something unique and powerful about prayer. And I listened to a sermon this morning, and it was by uh, John Piper, and it was on this text, and particularly this verse, and he called it the line of prayer. And he just kind of painted this picture of what happens in these moments, right? And, and I just thought it was, it was beautiful. And so you've got this, this person within the body who undergoes something tragic, right? Something happens, just like Sue she sends this appeal out, right, that says, Bob's sister, there's an event, and this could be life-changing, and would you pray? And so there's this, there's this thing that happens, and suddenly you've got the body over here, and so instantly there's this appeal to prayer, right? So this, they're moved through suffering to appeal to the body, and the body is moved by suffering and by the appeal <clears throat> to appeal to God, right? And so now there's this appeal by a larger body for God, for his grace and for his mercy and for his comfort, right? And so now there's this event, there's this movement within the hearts of the body up to God, crying out on their behalf. And then it says that God is moved by these prayers. And God ministers and comforts, right? And he comforts through these prayers to this person in a unique way. And then what happens is God, this person experiences God's comfort. And then they give thanks back to God, right? That there is glory going back to the Father because of what obviously God has done in experiencing this comfort. And then what happens is there's this gratitude that goes back to the body. Thank you so much for, for crying out on my behalf, right? And then the body finds out and sees what God is doing is comforting. And they reach out in thanksgiving and praise to this individual. So excited what God has done in their life. And then these people then turn and they give praise to the Father for what God did in comforting this person, right? And there's all this glory and this love and this prayer that's going on. And then as we see now, my sad marker's growing up. <laughs> Imagine there's a person, right? So then this person suddenly experiences something. And that event is the same thing that this person experienced. And so now this person appeals, right? Well, now all of these people, they've got a testimony of God's comfort in exactly the situation that they bring to this person. And they say, God is, God is comforting in this circumstance. And you need to talk to this person. And then this person who is uniquely equipped in the body then gets to go and take that pain and that heartache 
And now they get to minister in a unique way, right? I remember we had a dear friend who lost a child and she wouldn't listen to anybody until the person showed up who had lost the child. And that person was the only person she would listen to, right? No one else had the right, but she had walked, she had walked that walk. She had been in those shoes. And now this person gives thanks to God. And there's this cycle, right? There's this, that the scripture is talking about, and that is the body of Christ. And that's the way that God works, right? Is suffering does these things. It helps us understand who God is. And it helps us experience him in a deep and intimate way. And then this comfort that he gives us, we experience. And now we have a unique gift and ability to go comfort people. And then it moves the body to prayer. And that prayer then moves God to comfort. And then it equips another person to comfort. And all along, there's this glorifying to God. And it's this beautiful symphony. And it doesn't mean it's easy. Right? But it's good. And even in the dark times and even in the hard moments, God is good. And the body of Christ, as we think about all of the things that happened this past week, and we think about well, how do we how do we minister to the pilots? And how do we minister to the Escalantes, right? The Los Angeles. And how do we minister to the wheats? And how do we minister to Bob's sister? And all the other things. Some of us are closer to the circle than others, right? We have relationships that we know them that we're gonna be able to minister to Laura in a way that you won't. But what we can all do is we can pray, right? That we can all on behalf of the body, on behalf of every one of these people that are hurting, we can go and beseech God and God moves through that prayer. And he will love them and he will comfort them. And then he'll reproduce this cycle of faith and comfort and intimacy and prayer and ministry and it goes on until Christ comes back. And then the cycle ends because there's suffering no more. And then it's just love, right? Love remains. And so let's see what 745. Good, good, good. What I would love for us to do for the remainder of our time is I would love for us to just pray and pray for the needs that, that we've talked about. And we'll just kind of do it in a, in a popcorn fashion. And so, John, if you wouldn't mind opening us, and then if you feel led to pray, just pray out loud. Pray for 10 seconds or 30 seconds, doesn't matter, but when you're done, the next person that feels led to pray, you can pray. And then in about 10, 12 minutes, I'll just close us. And we'll just go before the Father doing exactly what the scripture calls to do. And we'll do this for Harold's family, and for Raymond, and for the pilots, and for the wheats, for the Escalantes, and for the Palencias, and all the others that you may be aware of. So, let's pray. Father, I'd like you for Alex.